This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda Time here on the College Draft Podcast. Presented by DraftKings. I may have had a daddy soda or 10 on Saturday night. Sip of sunshine. Mm, It tastes good. You know what else tastes good? Diving into the 2021 NFL Draft. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years. Most of you already know that. A bunch of podcasts. Just an awesome Ross Tucker football podcast with Scott Pioli former NFL executive of the year, multiple time executive of the year, I believe both in New England and in Kansas City. He had some awesome thoughts on team building, roster building, Tom Brady, Richard Seymour. You're going to want to check that out for sure. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. The star of this show is Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan. He is awesome. At F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter. Football game plan on YouTube. And most importantly, because it's coming out at the end of February, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. We are about two weeks away. I cannot wait to get mine. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Emmer, you and I were just talking before we started recording. FCS is playing, man. I mean, there's a bunch of FCS games over the next few weeks. I am pumped. I almost, like, forgot about it. Yeah, I'm excited about it, too, man. We get to see Deion Sanders kick off this weekend as Jackson State takes on Edward Waters, which should be a very good game for Jackson State. Uh, but there's some tremendous talent that's going to be out there on display in the spring. I'm a little bummed the MEAC canceled their football season. That means I won't be on the broadcast for Morgan State ESPN3 games, but – I may still do some Monmouth games, so we'll see. But I'm excited to see these two, these teams uh, kick off in the spring. Yeah, I don't know how many of these games are televised, but they need to televise them, and they need to hire me to go. I I love FCS. I'll watch the I'll, I'll televise and broadcast the crap out of FCS games. I live for that. I also love anytime that we can get the wisdom of one Fran Duffy. We haven't done very many guests with you, Emery, but now that we're diving in position by position, I want to. Emery has some awesome categories. His top quarterback, his biggest scouting surprise, his top small college guy, prospect with the biggest upside, under the radar prospect. I, Emery, you came up with all these categories yourself. I love them. So I thought, you know what? Let's bring on my buddy Fran Duffy from the Eagles and see who Fran would put into these categories. Good morning, Fran. Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? We are doing awesome. Make sure you follow Fran on Twitter, at EaglesXOs. And obviously, most of you already know Fran, because he was the co-host of the College Draft Podcast for a few years. And he now has the Journey to the Draft Podcast for the Eagles, which is amazing. 
Hopefully, Fran and I will team up once again for the Eagles draft coverage. That was a blast last year. I'll I'll, I'll still never forget, uh, Fran, when they came to me 10 seconds after they drafted Jalen Hurts, and I was I was not overly prepared. Well, the, the good news is I wasn't overly prepared for the Eagles to make that selection. That, or that's the bad news, I guess. The good news is I knew plenty of Jalen Hurts, so I, I was able to talk about it. So uh, let's dive into the quarterbacks then and talk about it. Emery, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you guys might have the same guy here, but, you know, you don't know because – there's a lot of chatter about Zach Wilson's from BYU. So I'll start with this, Emery. Who is your top quarterback? Um, it, for me, it's Trevor Lawrence. And going into the season, it, it was Trevor Lawrence. And you wanted to see who can close that gap and perhaps overtake him. But you, you really can't ignore the amount of games he played at the level he played them at. And I think people don't consider how how hard it is to play that position as a freshman, true freshman, to come in when he did, took over for Kelly Bryant, and help that team go deep into the playoffs and then win the national championship against the Alabama. So you like how he's able to overcome adversity that first year. Second year had to overcome adversity. And this year just played consistently well football all throughout the season. So we've seen three years of Trevor Lawrence's playing, uh, you know, really good game, really high-level football. So to me, he was a top quarterback. Fran, who do you have as your top guy? Yeah, to me, it's got to be Trevor Lawrence. And it's funny because, you know, we've seen him now. We've got a three-year sample of what he can do. And he checks so many boxes when you talk about, obviously, all the physical tools, but, uh, you know, everything that he brings away from the game as well, uh, how well-respected he is in that locker room. I've been talking to his teammates as they've been coming out of the draft the last couple of years. I talked to a bunch of Clemson offensive linemen in 2020. I talked to a bunch of skilled players in 2019, just trying to get a sense of who he is as a person. And even talking to people that were down at the Manning Pass Academy after his freshman year when he goes and he beats Alabama in the national title game so many people were like man like you he gets recognized in the airport and people come up to him but he is as cool as a cucumber and doesn't you know overplay into any of that and so you love the humbleness of a guy like that um but just really you know all the, you check all the boxes there's not a lot to say uh, about Trevor Lawrence his record uh speaks for itself all the tools are there uh really really impressive prospect so a couple of things here um, number one, is does it, either one of you guys understand why he threw on Friday? Like, he has this torn labrum in his left shoulder. They say it's four to five months recovery. I guess I'm not understanding why he didn't have that surgery the day after the Ohio State loss. Like, I, do, do, I mean, I'll start with you, Emery. Does it make any sense to you? that he waited over a month so he could throw before having this surgery. I didn't really know they had, there was a pro day. That's how concerned I get about pro days. Um, but, no, nah, I'm surprised. You, you, normally you see guys play their last game and then almost immediately go hit the, the surgery room and get the surgery done, get cleaned up, and, and start working their way back for a pro day maybe in late April. But uh, I, I just don't understand why he felt need to throw. We saw three years of him, like Frank talked about, and there's nothing really he could have done that we hadn't seen already. And there's not really questions about him throwing the football um, more so than anything. So I just don't understand the whole need for a pro day, especially if not all your receivers were going to be out there uh, working with you. It's just, it just didn't seem like a, a need to do. Fran, 
You know, the way I look at it, and I don't know all the details as to when the injury was kind of discovered and when they you know, found out the severity of it. But, uh, you know, you, you like the guy going out and saying, look, I, I want to throw. I want to show what I can do. You know, let me uh, check this box. I've already done everything else. Uh, you know, there was an interview that Urban Meyer did uh, with the NFL Network, and he said, you know, I had the conversation with Trevor last week. And when he, you know, he presented that the injury was coming, he said, rather than wait for the pro day, why don't you just go out and throw? Uh, that was Urban Meyer speaking to, to Trevor. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And they set up the pro day in a matter of days, um, you know, and allowed for NFL teams to come and watch him throw. So, uh, look, it, you know, if he had come out and not looked good, I think everybody would be up in arms. We're like, oh, what was the guy thinking? But by all accounts, it sounds like uh, everybody was impressed with how he threw the ball. Not that we would expect anything less, but uh, impressive showing nonetheless on Friday. Yeah, so not that we don't love talking top quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, but one of the things I love about Emory is, Emory brings out guys, Fran, I've never heard of. That That's like Emory's specialty. And some, sometimes I don't even check. He might be making these guys' names <laughs> up sometimes. I don't know. But his biggest scouting surprise, um, you know what, Fran, I'll start with you on this one. Who's your biggest scouting surprise at the quarterback position? Sure. So to me, this is I'm taking a little bit of a different spin with this because – this year, and Emery, I know you can speak to this too, is it's such a unique year for draft prospects, especially for seniors, because so many of these guys that we would be, you know, kind of buzzing about as, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, a lot of them went back to school for the extra year. You know, you talk about, you know, Crum from uh, Kent State and obviously the kid from Cincinnati, but there were so many players that said, you know what, I'm going to take the extra year. And especially a quarterback, I'm good with that. I, I'm ra- I'd rather see these guys go and get, and get an extra an extra year of reps, being the guy for their team. Uh, so this one was a little bit tough for me to kind of come up with. But I'll tell you, the guy that kind of just blew me away, and this is going back to early parts of the fall. I did not study Zach Wilson over the summer, right? I mean, he it was a mediocre year. He was hurt, but you know, he was de- dealing with the uh, the surgeries with his throwing hand. But back when I first studied Zach Wilson. I was kind of blown away and was like, why are we not talking about this guy as one, as one of the top quarterbacks? And, uh, you know, obviously he's on the smaller side, but just consistent ease of accuracy. I mean, the guy is pinpoint from all three levels of the field, on the move or from the pocket. Uh, that's what really kind of stood out to me. It was just how naturally, uh, he, you know, he was just so efficient and so accurate with the football. Uh, I was really, really impressed. That, to me, was like my whoa at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, we're working with something here. Uh, and obviously now everybody has been talking about him as a, a top five prospect and potentially the number two quarterback off the board. But to me, I would say my biggest surprise from evaluating quarterbacks from this class, and my uh, 18-month-year-old son would agree, as he, was, uh, he had the same reaction as well, uh, I would say it would be Zach Wilson. You know, I love it. I love it. Go ahead for Emery. But, but about Zach Wilson, I always tell people um, that, you know, just notice him this year, go back and watch that bowl game when he was a freshman. I think he went like 13 to 13. It was ridiculous. Mexico Bowl. And then go watch the USC game from last year. That was a really fun game, fun to watch from a, just a fan perspective. But also from a scouting perspective, you saw a lot of the situational football stuff that you want to see from the quarterback position. But my biggest surprise in studying this position was um, David Moore from Central Michigan. He didn't play this year. You know, he decided to opt out. So you have to go back and study 2019. And this is when I'm studying quarterbacks. So I'm down on my list and I'm debating whether or not I should add one more quarterback in and just cut the list off at this number. So I get to David Moore and I'm like, let me just check him out. So I went and watched 2019 tape, and I'm like, man, you know, that's a pretty good throw. That's a good read. Oh, I understand what he was thinking there. And you see him progress throughout the course of the season. And then I go and watch the All-Star game this year and saw him play well there. And I'm like, man, so 
I was surprised at how good he was in that offense. I kind of am bummed that he didn't play this year for Central Michigan, who had a really good team. But I thought, man, he was taking the right steps in, in you know, in his progression. So I was shocked at how talented he was and consistent he was throwing the football. By the way, for those of you that don't ever watch us on YouTube, you really need to. Because Fran is doing an unbelievable job <laughs> with his son while he's recording this podcast. I am getting the kick out of it. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. The, day, the days have changed from when I previously when we first started the show, Ross. It's a lot. My life's a lot different now than it was five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're making great comments while you're like handing him stuff, and this is incredible. This is this is the most entertained I've ever been. I think on the College Draft podcast. No offense to you guys as the two as the two stars of the show over the years, but um, uh, let's start with this, uh, Fran. Your top small college guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it's obviously Trey Lance, and you want to take the low-hanging fruit. But for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, I mean, a lot of the guys that, you know, I would say, oh, man, like this guy comes from a lower level of competition. Those guys are starting to play right now, uh, as you guys alluded to. Uh, you know, to me, it's got to be Trey Lance. And I think when you look back uh, at what he did in the 2019 season, not throwing an interception, go, obviously going undefeated. Look, he ran an offense where he was not the focal point. The, the, the production of that offense went through – the run game is a well-managed offense, but when you're looking at everything that he presents from a trait standpoint, certainly the arm talent, uh, the athleticism, the ability to create off script, as well as uh, operate everything outside the pocket that are on script. I mean, they did a great job. Uh, it's a really well-schemed offense and a really good situation there for the quarterback position, but his decision-making and then his toughness. I mean, the way he finished runs just kind of speaks to his competitiveness and his toughness. I was really, really blown away uh, by Trey Lance. And again, it's the low-hanging fruit, but we're talking, we're talking quarterbacks here. Uh, let's talk about some of the best guys. And to me, uh, Trey Lance, really, really impressive player. And I feel like a lot of people are just so quick to say, oh, well, he's got a redshirt a year because he's only played uh, you know, X amount of games. We've only seen like 350 throws, something like that, uh, from him over the course of his career. I don't know. I mean, we've seen guys come into the league and make an impact early. While he's got a low sample size, I mean, uh, this guy has spent the entirety of the fall outside of his one game preparing for this moment, preparing for his jump to the NFL, doing a lot of X's and O's work, all the stuff in the classroom. We know what he brings on the field. Trey Lance, to me, like I'm not looking at him as like, oh, yeah, he definitely needs a red shirt. Uh, I think he's a guy that could come in and be a factor early. Emery, how, how do we get to the point where there's an FCS kid who's going to go in the top 10 maybe that played one year as a redshirt freshman? I mean, yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm an FCS guy, so I'm all for it. But I'm just, like, blown away that this is even a thing. Listen, you know, we are probably a year removed from people saying a quarterback that came out of a Power 5 conference with only 15 stars didn't have enough experience. And now we're going past that to the FCS with a guy that didn't even throw the ball much and said, yeah, this is a top five pick, no question. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, I, and I have to disagree with Fran. I, I worry about him being thrown in because, you know, you had all summer, you had all fall to prep, to prep for that one game. And you came out and you kind of, eh, you, you, you didn't really wow anybody in the areas you were supposed to wow. You stood out in the areas that we knew you could st stand out in the run game uh, by far. Like this dude is a, a plus one in the run game, like I always say. And also just the fact that, you know, he – Misconnected on a lot of these deep throws, and it makes you wonder. Like, man, 
this is why he needs more reps and you want to see him get more reps. So I would like to see him go to a situation where he can learn on the fly and work through some of those things and hopefully knock on wood with the way things are going in the world. He'll get the benefit of having a preseason this year and having preseason games um, to be able to, to get more throwing reps because I think that's what he needs. Because Fran touched on it, that North Dakota State offense, it's been plug and play at that position from Brock Jensen to Carson Wentz to Easton Stick and you know now to uh, Trey Lance. And whoever they got next is going to be really good as well because that's just how they've groomed and developed those guys at that position. So, yes, it's a low-hanging fruit. And going into the season, Lance wasn't even my top small school guy. But a lot of these small school guys, like Frank talked about, all have gone back, which is outstanding because they need more film. They need more games. And more game reps just make you that much more prepared to hit the ground running as a pro. So I'm glad all these FCS guys went back. But a guy like Trey Lance, yes, there's a low-hanging fruit, but he's, he is a really good prospect. He's more like Jordan Love, in my opinion. Um, but I want to see him be able to take the advantage of those preseason games and scrimmages in the in the summer that he's going to have to go through at the NFL level. What about for you, Fran, the prospect with the biggest upside? I mean, obviously, the when you're looking at you know Trevor Lawrence and and what he can be, that certainly I think comes into play. But uh, you know, if I'm if I'm looking around and who are the guys that that have the biggest upside, and you, and you look at that group, the, those guys just at the top of this draft, you look at Lawrence, you look at Lance Wilson, Fields, uh, all those guys, you could make an argument for ha- having the biggest upside. But the guy I haven't talked about yet is Justin Fields, and at 6'3", 230 pounds, uh, this guy can make every throw. He's athletic, but he's also he, – kind of like what I was talking about with Lance, he is a really tough, tough quarterback in terms of uh, – and we saw that from the uh, you know from the, the uh, semifinal game against Clemson, obviously playing through the injury and all that, but even just watching him on film, uh, you, know, you could see that toughness in the pocket, the ability to take a hit and deliver the football. Uh, he throws a great ball. He's a, a really, really intriguing player, and I think when you look at his overall upside, um, you know he's a guy. I think when you're looking at him compared to Wilson, compared to Lance, you might be getting able to get more out of him down the road in the future. Fran, I'm going to hit you up on the under the radar prospect as well, and then you can talk to you can handle your son because I know that you're probably dying to be able to focus on that show. And I appreciate you squeezing us in. Um, I know you got a lot going on this morning at your house. So who's your under-the-radar prospect, Fran, while we're on it? You know, I to me, there's one guy that I find to be kind of it's, – it's an interesting situation because in a perfect world, I feel like Davis Mills goes back to Stanford and he does what we've talked about, um, you know, with a lot of these guys. To me, though, when I look at him – the injury history is obviously it's big. You know, I mean, he's had a couple surgeries on that left knee, uh, wore a brace on it over the course of the, the season. Um, he shows flashes, but I think when you look overall at the whole body of work, he is a guy that's got to play from within the pocket. He's not an athlete that's going to be able to extend and create outside of structure. He's just not good enough right now within structure to say, oh, yeah, he's, he's ready to play right now. But I think when you see the flashes and you say, okay, what can this be, guy be down the road? He plays the game like a Phillip Rivers. But we've just seen a lot of these guys that have come out in the last three, four, five years struggle early. I don't think he's going to be thrown right into the fire. So you're talking about a guy that you can try and develop and see what you can get out of him. If it's a situation like a Kirk Cousins where, you know, he's on the bench early in his career and is given time to kind of develop from a mental side. And now he can answer the questions uh, that defenses are giving him 
pre-snap and he can work on that stuff from a mental standpoint. This guy was the number one recruit coming out of high school when he came out. He was ahead of Tua. He was ahead of Jake Fromm. Obviously, all those guys went on to college football stardom and to be some of the best players at their position in the country. He didn't quite get his feet off the ground in that way at Stanford. So I think you're looking at a guy who's got a plus talent. He's got a crisp release. Everything looks good. It looks exactly how you want it. But I don't see enough, especially when he's got to get to the second progression in his read. You don't often see his ability to just kind of work with, let the offense work for him. So I think ultimately you see the flashes. And in this class, I'm working with flashes. That's a, that's a guy I think is, is worth bringing up. I really like Sam Ellinger from Texas. I think you look at Kellen Mond at A&M. I think that he certainly brings a, a lot to the table as well. And he got better every day at the senior bowl, which is always what you're looking to see in that kind of environment. But Davis Mills, as a young kid who declared for the draft, small sample size, again, kind of like what we're talking about with Trey Lance, hasn't played a ton of ball at the college level. I think he's an intriguing player and someone that does, you know we need to kind of be talking about here as someone who could be something down the road. Check him out on social media. It's at Eagles XOs. Uh, he is an invaluable resource to me all season long watching his Eagles videos. Even if you don't like the Eagles even a little bit, you will learn a ton from Fran's videos. They're awesome. You can also check out the Journey to the Draft podcast, which I enjoy being on. Fran beat me in our contest this year, but I will get – look. He should beat me, okay? I studied for one game. All this guy does is watch college tape all week, okay? And it was still very, <laughs> very close. Check it out. Subscribe. Fran, thank you so much. Give the big man a hug for me. I will. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Have a good one, Fran. There he is, Fran Duffy. Fran, I guess, had some uh, had some uh, uh, household issues this morning, Emery. So he's, you're talking. He's looking over at his son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was amazing. I figured let's just get him through these categories and then I can get back to Emery. Um, I will ask you this, Emery. You talked about him before. Before we get back to your biggest upside guy and your under-the-radar guy, um, I did want to get your thoughts on Davis Mills. You know, Mills is a guy that, like Fran said, individually, and this is a, this is a situation where we're in this generation of Twitter clips being, you know, taking the scouting reports from guys. So you'll see a great throw against Washington and it'll get shared multiple times and it'll get viewed over hundreds of thousands of times and everyone starts to adjust their takes based off this one throw. But you go and watch the entire game, you're like, yo, what are you doing? You know, so that's what you get with Davis Webb. You'll see, like he talked about flashes, but then individually there's a play here, a play there, and people can't get caught up in the play here, play there. But he's right. He's been injured um, the entire game. You look at now the way the NFL is going, and you have to be able to at least get out of your own way athletically, and he just can't do that right now, nor has he ever been able to. Um, and you kind of wonder if he's, you know, kind of scheme dependent on, you know, needing a great offensive line, needing a great – and so you need all these things for you to be competent. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust him that early in the in the draft. Or you know, it'll, it'll, you have to have a perfect situation for Mills to, to be successful. Yeah. So I think his decision to go pro was really interesting. I think a couple things. On one level, when you're as highly touted as he was coming out, and you see all these guys from your class already in the NFL and you were at the Elite 11 camp, and you feel like you were better than them, 
That's got to be tough. That's got to be tough to see these guys you think you're better than, and they're already in the NFL. You're like, well, I, I, I out threw that guy, and I'm sure he out threw from. You know what I mean? Like, I out threw that guy. He's in the NFL. Why can't I go? I also think, though, maybe he's just a really smart kid, Emery, and maybe he knows his, his, his time is limited with that knee, and he wants to get some money, so, you know, get drafted, get some money, give it as long as he can before that, that knee runs out on him. And he went to Stanford, so he knows he can fall back on that Stanford education. We see this a lot with guys in the Ivy League, guys in the Patriot League. They have outstanding educational backgrounds and, and those degrees from those universities and colleges. You know, yeah, I'll go give this NFL thing a try, and if it doesn't work out, guess what? I'll still graduate from Stanford. Let's get back to your prospect with the biggest upside, because this is a guy who we've talked about before, and it kind of raised my eyebrows when I saw this guy on your list. Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, or if you, you know, it depends on if you want to say he's from Georgia. You can't count Georgia. You can't count Georgia. Georgia. Jamie Newman from Wake Forest. (laughs) From Wake Forest, uh, he has the biggest upside because he was making progressions in the right direction uh, going into the season, that was the whole purpose of him transferring to Georgia to get a new look in a new offense that's tailor-made to all of his skill sets and not just his running ability. But when you look at him from a toolsy standpoint, he can run, plus one in the run game, has good situational football awareness as far as, you know, when a game is on the line, he could make those tough decisions that you want to see your quarterback make. He can find a way to have success. Uh, we talk about the deep ball accuracy. He throws a beautiful deep ball. Is one of the best throwing uh, deep ball passes passers in, in the draft class. Um, and so he has the upside because he has all of the tools on the table and it's going to take the right OC and QB coach to put it all together. And now you have a guy that's making progressions. People will look at the senior bowl week. He started out really well at practice. Then he sort of, so, sort of had those inconsistencies and was inconsistent in the game. But people have to also remember this was his first full-time uh, playing football since August or July. Uh, so he had a long layoff, but going into what should be a normal preseason um, with a team, he's probably a mid-round guy. Maybe second round somebody takes him because he has immense tools. And what he did at Wake Forest definitely was something that gives you some some you know calls for uh, optimism, the reason for optimism that he can be a guy that could develop fully as a pro player. All right, Emery, what about the under the radar prospects? So not necessarily surprise, not necessarily top small college guy, but someone who's under the radar that you like. Brady Davis from Illinois State is the under the radar prospect, in my opinion. You talk about tools, you watch this guy throw, and he's legit throwing the football. 188 miles an hour. Like, this ball comes out so fast with so much velocity and so much arm strength. This dude could hit the – he could knock the pipe off the Wake Forest mascot. Uh, he could have his top hat off. That's how hard he could throw the football of uh, that Demon Deacon. But you go to a program at Illinois State where it's predominantly a run-based offense. Uh, we saw a guy, James Robinson, come out of there last year. But you watch Brady Davis compete last season, and you're like, man, if he could just – tie in the accuracy and I think a lot of it is tied to his footwork so having him work on his footwork his mechanics he's going to clean that up which means the accuracy is going to get better but he still has a legit you know 
AR-15 bazooka on his own. This dude could throw the heck out of the ball. And he practiced this season with Illinois State. They did some fall practices. And you go and watch him compete there at practice and work through some of those issues. Then he went to an all-star game. He was at the College Gridiron Showcase where he worked through some uh, his his mechanics there. So, again, for him, he has enough tools where he's intrigued enough people um, to where he may be one of those late-round shot-type guys, maybe six-round, seven-round, or definitely a, a priority free agent that he'll get into a camp and continue to wow because, again, the tools individually are there. But like with Jamie Newman, you're going to need someone to help, you know, hone them, smooth them out, and, and get them going in the right direction. But he has done enough, in my opinion, to definitely, uh, you know, garner some attention as a draftable prospect. Let me ask you this, Emory. Are there any guys, like Illinois State plays this Saturday against Missouri State. I'm assuming Brady's not playing? No, he's not. The only time you'll see, and this is the only case I've seen this, uh, where a guy going in and their game got postponed this weekend is that VMI, Reese uh, Udinsky, is already saying he's going to transfer out of VMI. Now, he already said he was transferring out during the fall, but came back, said he'll play in the spring, but he's still transferring. So he's going to play spring ball with the expectation that he's transferring out of VMI as soon as their spring season is over with. And then he's going to go to a, a power five or, you know, FBS school. Uh, so that's the only case I've seen that a lot of guys are not playing uh, are, are not playing in the spring, but it's unique because we know the final date is March 1st for guys to declare. They still have that extended time. So I don't know if we'll see a guy that blows up in the next two weeks uh, with two good games and decide, you know what, I'm going to take my shot and go to the NFL. I think everyone that's committed to play in the spring will play in the spring. Everyone who's not will not. But like this Brady Davis guy, he could play this spring season for Illinois State like it's done before the draft, right? Like he could play, they could scout him, they could watch him, and then they could draft him, right? I think – I don't know what the, the rules are. I don't know if the NFL said if you play, you're not eligible for this, you know, this, this – Oh, upcoming. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I just – especially if he's a senior, I, I don't know. He, he I guess he – is he – well, it, it's interesting. Let's put it that way. Because I think I, – I feel like there's some guys that could be playing um, this spring. Especially if you play early. NFL. If you have a game this week and next week, I may if I if it were me, um, and I'm coming from a small school and I have a chance to play two games before I have to decide whether or not I want to, you know, come back next year. Or, you know, I may even try to sneak in two games in, uh, you know, so get you know some game reps in so scouts can see that. Especially if I was a, a you know borderline re- highly regarded uh, small school guy, I, I see what you're saying. I, I I would try to chance it. Um, and and play if especially we're playing early. But if we if our season starts after March first, then forget about it. Got it. So I I'm still confused because if you're a senior, why can't you play this spring as a senior? And then when you're done, you know it's not like you need to declare you're eligible when you're. Although I guess this year you do because of that extra year thing. You have to let them know. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm confused at this point. Might might need to come have somebody come on and and talk through the different machinations of this. All I know is that Emory is awesome. DraftKings is awesome. If you bet on any college basketball team to hit a three pointer and they do, you win a hundred bucks, which is ridiculous. We'll figure out what position we're going to do next week. 
maybe receivers, maybe running backs. Um, I'll, we'll get another guest lined up like Fran. That was awesome because I like to hear who, you know, who people have. I love your categories, Emery. These are amazing. And I love to hear who other people have in these categories. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide is where it's at. Football game plan on YouTube. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We're youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. If you want to see Fran juggling both his son and the content today, that was amazing. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.